Well, good morning. In 2010, I had the opportunity to go on a, really a trip of a lifetime. Uh, God blessed me with the chance to go to Israel and for two weeks uh, walked where Jesus walked. And I know some of you have had that opportunity to go over and I know some of you are hoping to go one day. If you get that chance, go. Uh, but every day of those two weeks was impactful in different ways. But there was one day in particular uh, that was really special, and it was the day that we went into Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. And uh, I remember uh, distinctly where the bus driver parked, because I took a picture, but I'll never forget it, because it's very appropriately named the street. It was actually Manger Street, so pretty fitting. And uh, walked down Manger Street, and I'm a coffee guy, and um, so I look ahead, and I think I see uh, a Starbucks, which I thought, you know, you can't escape it, right? They're everywhere. They've gotten to Bethlehem, but it actually wasn't a Starbucks. It was a Stars and Bucks cafe. So, um, yeah, I still laugh at that. So next time you're in Bethlehem, grab a fake Frappuccino. I don't know if they're $8 like they are here. But past Stars and Bucks, if you go a little further, you will come across the most important site in Bethlehem, and that's the Church of the Nativity. Um, if you ever get a chance to go over, what you'll find is that sacred, holy, meaningful sites are marked with churches. And in this case, it was the Roman Emperor Constantine in the 320s, so 1700 years ago, had become a Christian and commissioned two really important churches, one in Jerusalem, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is where Christ uh, was crucified, buried, and rose again, and then the Church of the Nativity. And uh, it was awesome to see and so special in every way, uh, but what really made it impactful for me was the way you entered into the church, and it was through what's called the Door of Humility. Uh, if you were to go as a visitor, as a tourist, as a pilgrim, as a worshiper, that you would literally have to humble yourself to come into the church, to see where Christ was born. And this theme of humility, this humbling ourselves before God, is exactly what we've been talking about in this series, Down to Earth. Uh, we celebrate at Christmas that Jesus came down to earth. We really believe that he left the majesty of heaven for a manger. But we also recognize that everything around his birth story was down to earth. It wasn't big and glamorous and majestic and worldwide known. It was, it was down to earth. It was lowly and it was humble. And it's that quality that we're asking God to work in our lives. So, so far in the series, um, we've looked at some of the characters, and these are kind of special. I hope I don't knock the angel over, because it was actually, uh, oh, there it goes, um, actually the wedding present I gave to my wife, Hillary. So it's fun to turn them over and see 520 marked on the bottom. But so far in this story, Kevin uh, talked about the wise men. Uh, they traveled far distance following that star to bring their gifts of gold and frankincense, and myrrh, and there were probably more than three, but we sing We Three Kings of Orient are, so we usually drop three of these in our nativity set. And then last week, Ben uh, talked about the shepherds who were out in the field caring for their sheep. They probably were smelly, they weren't really thought highly of, but God chose them 
these humble workers to come close and see where Christ was born. So we looked at them last week, and then this morning we're gonna look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. And here's what's crazy. God could have chosen a queen, he could have chosen a princess, he could have chosen the wife or daughter of a famous religious leader, but he didn't. He chose someone who was down to earth. We know she was young, we know she was poor, we know she grew up in a town in the middle of nowhere, but God chose her. And I think what we're gonna see this morning as we look at her life, that she was humble, she was obedient, and her heart was simply to be a servant of God. And I'm excited to look at her story and ask God to, to, to help establish those qualities in our life. And that's really the question I want you to be thinking about this morning, or do those words describe me? Am I more humble or am I more prideful? Am I obedient to what God tells me to do or do I pick and choose the, the things that I want to obey God in? And ultimately, are you a servant? Just saying, God, here I am. Use me in any way that you see fit or are you selfish? So that's what we're gonna be wrestling with this morning. We're gonna look at Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. So if you have a device or a Bible, it's gonna be up on the screens, but that's what we're gonna be looking at this morning. So it begins in this way, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So a couple of important things just from these first two verses. First, it says in the sixth month, which begs the question, the sixth month of what? If you read the beginning of, of Luke chapter one, you see that God sent Gabriel to Mary's relative, Elizabeth, who was up in years and was without child. And God said, you and your husband, Zachariah, are gonna conceive and you're gonna have a son named John and he would become John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, helped pave the way for his ministry. So it was in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy now, the angel was sent by God to Mary. Now in the Bible, we know angels are real. We know that they serve God in heaven and on earth. And there's two that we know their names who serve God. One is Michael, and he's described more of a, a warrior angel taking care of business. And then there's Gabriel, who we know was God's primary messenger. He, did, he carried God's message in Daniel. He carried God's message to Elizabeth, to Mary. He appeared to Joseph. So he brought this message from God. And it says that they were engaged. Now at that time, they got married young. Women were typically between 13 and 15 years old. Any 13 to 50 year old young ladies in the house? Show hands. Pretty young to be getting married, right? At that time, that's when a young woman would have become engaged. And this wasn't the kind of engagement that we think of. This would have legally brought them together as husband and wife. The word is betrothed, that they made a commitment and the only thing that wasn't yet official was the consummation of that marriage. So it says that they were engaged to be married. Joseph, the house today, we're gonna come back to that. And then it repeats the fact that she was a virgin. Why does that matter? Well, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. From Isaiah chapter 7, the Bible says this, 
Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. The Gospel of Matthew says that this was the fulfillment of this prophecy given 700 years ago. This prediction about the one would be conceived of a virgin. And over the last week, as I've been thinking about this message, really it's just caused me to stop and say, this is kind of a big deal, right? Uh, we know that babies are, are formed from a mother and a father. They're brought into this world in that, that way. That's how we understand it. But we're, we're learning here that it was supernatural. So I wanna just read a quote to you from a scholar named Wayne Grudem. Just three quick points that hopefully will give you just some more meat on the bones. The doctrinal importance of the virgin birth. Dr. Grudem says this, it shows that salvation ultimately must come from the Lord. The virgin birth of Christ is an unmistakable reminder that salvation can never come through human effort, but must be the work of God himself, that we can't figure out a way to get back to God in our sinfulness, that it's all his work. Second, he says this, the virgin birth made possible the uniting of full deity and full humanity in one person. This was the means God used to send his son into the world as a man. If we think for a moment of other possible ways in which Christ might have come to earth, none of them would so clearly unite his humanity and his deity into one person. And then finally, he says, the virgin birth also makes possible Christ's true humanity without inherited or original sin. Jesus did not descend from Adam in exactly the same way in which every other human being has descended from Adam. And this helps us to understand why the legal guilt and moral corruption that belongs to all other human beings did not belong to Christ. This is huge. What we believe is that all of us have fallen short, all of us have sinned, and we need someone to pay that price for us. And the only one who could do it is someone who's perfect. And we believe that that was Jesus, God in the flesh, fully God, fully man, who could go to the cross for us. The Apostle Paul touches on this in 2 Corinthians 5 where he says, he made the one, God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is huge. The virgin birth is absolutely essential to our faith. So with that greeting, Gabriel now begins speaking to Mary. It says, the angel came to her and said, rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting could this be. So we don't know if this was during the day. I imagine it was at night. He comes to her and the first thing he says is rejoice, favored woman. You're gonna be the one who gets to bring Jesus into the world. Now, why was she favored? What made her special? It begs the question. Did she always do the right thing? Was she like just near perfect? Did she earn it? Not so. My Bible study note says this, Mary was favored because the Lord set his undeserved grace upon her, not because she had earned good standing. This connection between God's favor is from the same word grace that's all throughout the Bible. And we're reminded of this verse from Ephesians chapter two where it says you're saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. It has nothing to do with us, it's all about God. And I just wanna just call a quick timeout because 
I know many of you in the room grew up uh, in the Catholic Church, and we're thankful for that, and there's so much that God has done through your upbringing, through your children's lives, and through your family. But the one thing I wanna remind you of is though Mary was special and she was used by God, there's nothing in the Bible that says we're supposed to worship her. There's nothing in the Bible that says we pray to her or ask her to pray for us. It's just not there. First Timothy chapter one says, there, chapter two, verse five says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one. Yes, she was specially used by God, but we don't go to her, we go directly to him through Jesus. So the message then continues and he gives some more specifics. She was deeply troubled. She was deeply troubled and she was just wondering how could God choose me? I'm little old Mary from Nazareth, right? She's just scratching her head, why would God choose me? Now he dives in to what he wanted to share with her. Uh, next verse. It says, now listen. You'll conceive and give birth to a son and you will call his name Jesus. He says, listen up, listen up. You're going to conceive and you're going to give birth. This is going to happen. You're going to conceive and you're gonna have a boy and you're going to call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign forever. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. So he came to her and he said, don't be afraid. You have found favor. You don't need to fear. I know I'm a, a heavenly angelic being and that could freak you out, but don't fear. God has favored you. You're gonna conceive. You're gonna get pregnant. You're gonna have a son and you're gonna call his name Jesus. Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Yeshua, Joshua, the Lord is salvation. You're saying you're gonna have a son, you're gonna be the one to bring the Messiah into the world. And you're gonna call his name Jesus because he's gonna bring salvation to all people. And Jesus knew that was his mission. In Luke chapter 19, he knew very clearly that he had come to seek and to save the lost. Gabriel goes on and says, he will be great and he will be called son of the most high. This was a name given to uh, describing God in the Old Testament used for Jesus. Be great and son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. This was another fulfillment of a prophecy. We've already looked at the first one the virgin birth, prophecy fulfilled. Now we're looking at another fulfilled prophecy. We see this in the scripture in several places. We see it in 2 Samuel 7, Isaiah 11, Jeremiah 23, that the promised Messiah would come from the line of David. And if you were to read Jesus' genealogy in Matthew chapter one, you're gonna see that his genealogy is perfectly traced from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob down to David and then all the way to his adopted father, Joseph. He is of the line of David. Prophecy fulfilled, God's promise kept. So he, he brings this message from God. It's an incredible, incredible message. 
that God is choosing you and you're gonna be the one to bring the Messiah into the world and you're gonna name him Jesus. And she, she's sitting there taking it all in and she responds with this question. And Mary asked the angel, how can this be? Since I have not been intimate with a man. That was the question that she had to ask. She said, okay, I'm, you're saying I'm gonna get pregnant. You're saying I'm gonna carry the Messiah. But I have not been intimate with Joseph. I have not known him in that way, how can this be? So the angel responds and says this. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is it, this is the miracle. And it's hard for us to get our heads around how could that be? I like uh, what this commentator says about these verses. This is from Warren Wearsby. It says, Gabriel was careful to point out that the baby would be a holy thing and would not share the sinful human nature of man. Jesus knew no sin. He did no sin. He had no sin. His body was prepared for him by the Spirit of God who overshadowed Mary. That word is applied to the presence of God in the Holy of Holies in the Jewish tabernacle and temple. Mary's womb became a Holy of Holies for the Son of God. Amazing that this presence of God, this power of God that we see in the tabernacle and the temple would now fall upon her in a miraculous way and Jesus would be conceived in her. And again, she's probably just thinking, how can this be possible? He reminds her of what happened for her relative, Elizabeth. He says, consider your relative, Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. He's saying, look, a miracle has already taken place. Your relative who's up in years who couldn't conceive her and Zachariah are going to have a baby. That's a miracle, but nothing like this. That was through human beings. This is through God's means. And then the angel concludes with this potent, powerful statement from God for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Now, remind you, Mary was a Jewish girl and she would have been raised and she would have been taught the entire story. She would have known it inside and out. She would have known that it was God who created the universe with his spoken word. She would have believed that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and took woman from man. She would have celebrated every year that her people were freed from Egyptian slavery through the plagues. And now she's finding out that her relative who wasn't able to conceive is now gonna have a baby with Zechariah. Nothing will be impossible with God, nothing, nothing. And for me, when I think about the other kind of big thing about our faith, that Jesus would go to the cross and that he would die on our place for our sins and that he would be buried and he would be raised again, I don't have a hard time believing that because nothing will be impossible with God, nothing. If he can create the world, 
if he can sustain it, if he can hold it all together, surely he can bring his son into the world in this way. Surely he can raise his son back to life. So in light of all of that message, right, all of that message that she's receiving out of nowhere, she didn't know it was coming, she wasn't prepared for it, as a Jewish young girl, she would have longed and waited for the Messiah to come, and she's finding out it's going to come through her. She responds in the most simple, humble way as possible. She says this, I am the Lord's slave. I'm the Lord's slave. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left. I am your slave, God, however you want to use me. I am believing this message. May it be done according to your word. I love this note from my study Bible. It says Mary's response is a, class, is a classic model of humble commitment. I am the Lord's slave and willing obedience. May it be done to me according to your word, whatever you want, God, you've got it. Whatever you need me to do in your plan of salvation, I am yours. Even though I'm gonna come under great scrutiny, even though people won't believe me, even though my husband is going to question me, we know that from the Gospel of Matthew, I am the Lord's slave. I am ready to obey. So these are the words that summarize, I think, her life. She was humble. She was obedient, she was a servant of God. She was humble. Now, if that was you or me finding out that God was going to use you to bring his son into the world, I think that's gonna go straight to your head. But that's not Mary, she was humble, she wasn't prideful, she was obedient, and she was a servant of God. And I think that's the question for us to wrestle with this morning. If there was a, a spectrum of humility and pride, where would you fall on that spectrum? Are you more humble, recognizing that it's not about you, it's about God? Or are you prideful, thinking that you've got it all figured out? Are you obedient? The things that you know of God, the things that he commands you to do, do you do those things? And then are you a servant? Just every day waking up, God, whatever you want me to do, are you a servant or are you selfish? That it's all about you. Now, I think because she was humble, she was obedient, she was a servant, God chose Mary to bring Jesus into the world. She was ready. She, she was ready to be used by God. He chose her to bring Jesus into the world. But here's what I want you to catch this morning is as, as special and as unique and as much as we are so thankful for how God used Mary, you are just as special in God's plan, just as special. He chose Mary to bring Jesus into the world. He chose us to share Jesus with the world. God chose Mary to bring Jesus down into the world, right? But he chose us as his followers to share Jesus with the world. It's so clear in the great commandment, in the great commission, the two greats that Jesus gave us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you truly love people, 
And if you've truly had your life changed by Jesus Christ, then you will go and make disciples. You will be about the Great Commission. You will desire to share Jesus with the world. God chose Mary to bring him into the world. He's gonna use us to share him with the world. And this time of year, uh, there really is no better time to do that. We've talked a lot over the last few months of how this season gets busy and it gets crazy and we get distracted. But this time of year, all kinds of research, my own experience, our experience shows that people are more open to God, church, and faith than any other time of the year. They're just tuned in in a different way to God in an openness to Jesus Christ. So you can, you can share the good news of Jesus with a single verse, John three sixteen. If you know that verse, you've got it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If you know one verse, you can do this. You can share Jesus with the world. You can share your own story of where you were and what God has done in your life. And certainly you can invite people to come to the ridge. We wanna be an inviting place for anyone who is coming to God. And Kevin already talked about our Christmas services, but just a reminder, we've got five. We've got the six, the nine, 11, three, and six, and we've got two that are gonna be live streamed. And a big reason why we do live is because we know that most people aren't gonna come into a new place without seeing it first. So we're gonna stream two of them at the 11 on Sunday and the three on Tuesday to share those invitations, to take an invite card and to put it into someone's hand. I was talking uh, to a new friend, his name's Josh, him and his wife Kayla, and I uh, just asked him, I said, how did you find your way to the ridge? You know, how did you know we were here? How did you get plugged in? He's like, well, I was getting my hair cut and the lady cutting my hair said, hey, do you need any recommendations for restaurants or for parks or church? And he's like, it wasn't weird. I was like, sure, I'll take a recommendation. She said, Chestnut Ridge, you gotta come. And he came, it works. The simple power of an invitation God uses in a great way. I wanna close uh, with sharing some words from a song uh, that I think most of us know. And um, a lot like the Christmas story, right? <laughs> it becomes so familiar that it can lose its power. But it's the song, Mary Did You Know. Show hands, that gets you every time. It's just so good, right? Mary Did You Know. And I'm gonna read just two stanzas and as you hear these words, what, what I wanna remind you of is this, that this song isn't really about Mary. This song is about Jesus. So as you hear these words, give him praise for coming down to earth. It says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Mary, did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new. And I love this line. The child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. In the Gospel of John, one of the last scenes we see between Jesus and Mary is Mary looking to Jesus on the cross. This child that she delivered was delivering her. 
It goes on, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to the blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Mary, did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Pray with me this morning if you would. God, we come to you in Jesus' name and we are so thankful that you sent your son down to earth to die in our place and for our sins. And this morning we are grateful. God, we are grateful for Mary's example, but we know it wasn't a perfect example of obedience and humility and service to you. There was only one person who did it right. There was only one person, God, who we look to as our example, and that is your son, Jesus, who was fully humble, fully obedient, fully a servant to go to the cross in our place and for our sins. So God, we are so thankful. In this time of year, God, as people are turning their attention to you, would you give us boldness and courage to share the good news. As you used Mary to bring Jesus into the world, you've chosen us to bring Jesus to the world. May we not miss the opportunity to obey you in this season. In Jesus' name, amen.